Welcome to School Story, where every school has a story waiting to be told. Join us, two seasoned school administrators, as we delve into the heart of educational experiences. Each episode is a journey through the dynamic world of schooling, where we uncover the triumphs, challenges, and untold narratives that shape the lives of students, teachers, and communities. Welcome back to the School Story Podcast. My name is Spencer Campbell. I am currently a principal of a middle school out in Utah. My name is Stuart Hudnall, assistant principal uh, for a large district in Utah. Today, we're going to talk about a 90-day plan for administrators, whether you're assistant principal or a principal or you're looking for a superintendentship. Uh, the idea of planning out your first 100 days, we're going to break down what you need to think about, um, who you need to think about, and some of the smaller things that get kind of lost in uh, the transition. So. Uh, let me ask you this. I'll start a lot off. of the things that we missed in our first hundred days. The things okay, that we so I was just <laughs> so I was just going to ask you: Did you have a hundred day plan in the works when you were asked as a teacher to become an administrator? No, I didn't even know such a thing even existed. So I wish I would have had a little bit more structure uh, and knowing and planning in what I was doing. So they, did they even talk about it in your college courses, in your master's program? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I Maybe, if you're listening, sorry, professor, I, I, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I remember they talked about it, but I was so wrapped into like teaching seven periods and all that stuff. I that That wasn't on my mind, right? Like I applied. But I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to get picked up the first time I apply. And so, uh, you know, every school district does it a little bit different. Um, and, and so your time frame of, you know, when the school year ends and when you get picked up or when you get asked to move to a different school. Um, I for sure was not ready when they asked me to go from being a vice principal to a principal because that was mid-year. And it was literally like December 15th. And then when we got back from Christmas break, it was like, hey, you're a principal of this school that doesn't exist yet. And so I kind of created a hundred or a hundred day plan or a 90 day plan. Uh, it's called different things. Uh, so, so looking at this, think, go ahead. Do you think it looked different a hundred day plan for an assistant versus a hundred days for a principal? Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, I, I, so I feel like if you're a teacher going into the role of an assistant principal, your principal should have that vision of what that looks like. It doesn't mean that you can't have one, but the idea that you're going to go from a teacher to an assistant principal and kind of guide the whole school doesn't, I mean, that doesn't compute with me. Generally, there's going to be a principal there, right? Uh, now, if you're in a small yeah. district and you're going from teacher to administrator and you've got multiple roles, Yes, I can see that. But if you're in a larger district, there's generally jump one and then jump two um, between those. But I mean, what do you think? And I think your location, it changes, right? I mean, you and I are both at kind of different, what I would call uh, schools. And so I think my 100 day plan is much different than if I was in a middle school that had 1200 kids, you know, 60 teachers, a lunch staff, custodial staff than where I'm currently at. Well, and I think where we have quite a few years under our belt, our 100-day plan would look a lot different now than it would have 
back when we were brand new administrators. I feel like a lot of it is there is a lot of unknown. And so you're not sure what you're going in for. So I really feel like there's some really good things you can establish and set the stage for with your 100 days. Uh, but there is a lot that is at the beck and call of your principal. Right. So so if you're listening to this and you're an administrator, your first 100 days depends on when you get placed, but you're looking at about your first three months. So if you if you if you divide the year right into 12 months, you've got, you know, whatever, but your school year is 180 days. So you've got basically nine months of school. So you could do your first 100, second 100, third 100. You also have summer, which is a whole different, you know, 100 days. It's not even quite 100 days. So looking mm -hmm. online, there are tons of different things out there. And we've kind of gathered them all together and picked the best. Uh, and then also from our experiences, what we feel like we would tell somebody else or even tell our younger selves when we when we got into administration. Um, and so what would be what would be, you know, your kind of why is the hundred day plan so important? I think it just gives you guidance and structure, especially if you're pulling 100 day plans from other individuals that are creating it after having the experience, then it allows you to lean on their shoulders and lean on their experience to at least give you some type of guidance. Uh, what's always hard, especially if you get placed and then have the summer some principals and admin teams are really hands-on during that summer. Others are really hands-off in that summer. And so sometimes there's a lot of unknown that can't be answered and isn't answered because there isn't anyone to answer it. And so by pulling some of those templates from others, um, you're able to see, okay, this is what I've done. This is what they found helpful. This is what you know a more experienced assistant principal would do at a high school or at a middle school or at an elementary school. And it allows you to have a little bit more structure moving forward. Well, and, and for those of you that that are, you know, already in administration looking to go from assistant to principal or teacher, and you, you've kind of looked at this whole thing, imagine, imagine this plan like uh, the first days of school by Harry Wong. It is a blueprint of how to set up that transition, whatever level you're at, to be successful. Uh, so yes, there's classroom management. It's more like office manage it. How do you organize yourself? How do you, how are your relationships? And so we're going to break down some of those things. Um, I think for, for me, uh, there are some things that come more natural to just for my personality and the way that I think and the way that, that I lead. And we talked, you know, in, in the previous podcast about our leadership styles, there are certain things that come easier for me. Uh, and there's certain things that are a lot more difficult that I have to be very, transparent with myself and very specific and very intentional about what I'm doing and when I'm doing, if it's connected with certain things. And so um, let's, let's jump into a couple of the things. So the first one is building relationships. How do you do that? Well, and that's the tricky part too, is Typically, the 100-day plan is looking at the first day of school, right? So your summer, it's not necessarily counting because there really aren't a lot of staff at the school. And I've always said that right. during the summer, all of the building is gone. 
uh, without the students and the teachers, it's it's pretty lonely there. It's pretty empty. You're able to get a lot done, but man, I'd rather have the kids and teachers there. And so if we're looking at it solely from the first day of school, it can help you be more intentional in getting out and meeting people and what you're doing in order to build those relationships. It's easy to get sucked in and trapped in other ways, but if you have a mapped out plan and you're able to find some really good concrete ideas of how to meet or you've laid it out and you, and you look at it and you're like, okay, I've got a hundred teachers and I've got a hundred days. So that means I'm meeting one teacher a day or you chunked it out and you're meeting 10 before the students get there. It allows you to really plan it out to be intentional on how you're meeting those teachers and then following up with the custodial staff, the office staff, the lunch ladies. There's a lot of people and a lot of relationships you're trying to build. I think one thing that I that I saw the good a good friend of ours that we were talking about earlier, um, he got moved to a new building. Uh, he was a high school assistant and got moved to be a middle school principal. And one of the things that I talked to him about is he actually just went in and got a copy of last year's yearbook and took a picture on the wall and started looking at pictures of teachers. And you know what I'm talking about now because I actually see a smiling is just started trying over the summer. So in our district, we get moved in July. July 1st is generally when transitions happen. So from July until the first week of school, August 20th, 20th, 12th, 10th, around there, 20th, 10th, 20th he was trying to memorize all of the teacher's name by face and at least get the teachers and the custodial staff because his secretary he would see every day and some of the lunch staff and i remember talking to him about it he's like i didn't have them all memorized but but he knew uh kind of what they were i've heard of other people putting them on flashcards where you get a little bit of information about them from the head secretary um, and, you know, she'll generally have like, you know, are they married? Do they have kids? Do they have a partner? Where do they live? Like, so you can get some background information for them. So I've seen people do that to build relationships when people aren't in the building. But like, and just, like you said, being, being and speaking visible towards that, is he, there. He has done that since day one. He was my assistant when I was still a teacher. And my very first memory of him was walking into his office and seeing a wall covered with pictures that he'd actually gone through at that point and copied and pasted pictures with names so that he could learn all of the teachers' names. And at the time we had 80 to uh, probably 80 teachers, 85 teachers in that building and dad gum, he knew them all and he knew them by face and it really made a difference. Yeah, it's uh, that that's one way, right, to to build a relationship and, and you're putting yourself out there and people don't need to know. You don't need to tell them like, oh, I memorized all the pictures over the summer. That's not yeah. that's not how you do that. You just walk in. Nor oh, you're so -and -so. Yeah, he's yeah, that's not his style at all. Yeah. Um, and he'll probably eventually be on this podcast and and we'll have some we'll have some fun teasing him about that. Um, what about what about people outside of the school? So what about people at the district? people in the community. Um, I, I think about now, you know, seven, eight years in all of the different entities that we work with besides just our staff, uh, you know, accounting, payroll, HR, IT, um, lunch services, like in the district level, how do you build relationships with people outside of your school? Outside uh, of the building, I should say. Yeah, biggest thing is getting out there, uh, finding ways, figuring out ways. Uh, we have another friend. He is really good that 
when he would get placed over something new, especially as an assistant, he would find the person at the district that was over. And instead of maybe calling them, he would actually go over to the district and he would meet with them. He would sit down with them. And there were many times that that executive secretary, that individual, that director, that whoever the position was, they were pretty shocked because they weren't used to having an administrator come down and sit and say, okay, show me, teach me, which can actually be a really good use of your time, especially during the summer as well, is building those connections. And so now when he's calling to ask questions and favors, they're much more likely to honor it because he's built those relationships. He spent that time. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. I think, you know, a couple other things that you could be aware of um, is your school community council. Generally, that changes at the beginning of every year. If you have, if you're at a high school, uh, most middle schools don't have this, but a PTSA, uh, yeah. a boosters club, any sort of parent organization. And it's not that you're trying to come in and take over the role of a principal. It's just that when you see them come in the building in a month or two and you already know who they are and what they're about and who their kids are. It, it makes that transition a lot, a lot better. And I think most um, principals, especially the really good ones, they're not going to feel threatened if you come in and you're like, hey, I want to meet with a PTA or, hey, I want to meet with the school community council or this group, the alumni group. A good principal is going to say, great, let's do it. Let's facilitate it. Let's set it up or you do it and I'm going to let you run with it. Um, the interesting thing is when you do get a little hamstrung by uh, your principal, when you're trying to build those relationships and they're feeling a little threatened and they're not as open-minded about allowing you to make those connections. Uh, what have you found that works if you're finding that you're running into roadblocks? So we, we talked about this on the previous episode, but I think for me is to just serve people, right? To be, so, so to be visible and out and solve problems before they happen. Um, I, I was, you know, I was pretty gung ho when I became an assistant principal and I was asking my principal like, hey, can I look at finances? I want to see how things run on the back end. And and rightfully so. He was like, no, no, you don't need to worry about that now. Just worry about getting discipline down, working with the teachers, you know, getting these these relationships built. You'll have plenty of time to learn how that end of things work. Um, and for me, right, coming from logistics and operations, like that was my whole thing. I wanted to see how things worked and it 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 makes sense to me to see the whole picture and so i had to eventually kind of explain to him hey i understand this better when i see the whole picture but the roadblock part of it was he was like hey why don't you develop these things first and so me kind of just being humble about it and just saying okay i trust you i'll practice and work on all these things and i can come back to this later uh, it was helpful for me, but again, I think being visible and service oriented, you're going to make connections with people in your building. You that, being humble? You need to. No, well, I just maybe not humble, just being put in my place is probably a better way to put it. So, one thing uh, I found you? was um, the biggest thing is, especially as I went around and talked to teachers, following up because inevitably they would ask you questions that you don't know answers to, or they would ask for something. And if you were the administrator that said, you know what, I don't know, but let me look into it. I'll figure it out. More often than not, they were so pleasantly surprised that you shot up that list of assistant principals because they knew that they could ask you something and you would get it done. 
And so by simply doing the little things, um, that for me made the biggest difference in building those relationships, irregardless of what my principal thought or felt in those situations. Right. How did you, how did you, talking about challenges, how did you get access to um, information? So, so what I'm thinking about, right, is one of the challenges is not knowing like, you know, the plans that the school already has in place, maybe some of the data that they've collected, um, you know, the current situation. How did you find out the current situation of the school, which can be a roadblock? Because if you don't know, right, I mean, we've we've all heard stories where a principal or administrator comes in and tries to shake everything up when they haven't even got a great grasp on what is actually happening first. So how did mm -hmm. you go about gathering all of that information? Because it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, especially that first year, I feel like I really relied a lot on my fellow administrators. I was lucky enough to have four assistant principals in our high school. We were, we were large, we were 2,700 students. And so I would rely on them. I would I would try to find what had been done before. Um, great advice was I never had to make a decision in the moment. So when something would come up, I would tell that person, you know, let me go check with my team. And I would step away and I'd go talk to the team. I would find out what they had done in the past. I would learn um, what the precedent had been set, um, what policy dictated with it. Because as a new administrator, you're learning so much policy. There's so many things that as a teacher, you never even have to deal with that as administrator, you're learning a whole new almost language, it feels like. And so, so many times it was going back and referencing policy to figure out how this has ha been handled, what it looks like, how we can handle it. And those type of questions really did help prevent um, a lot of the heartache that I've seen other administrators have. I think having a good mentor is super helpful. Yeah. One of the things that you just mentioned is the idea of being a teacher and moving you think you know and then you realize how much you don't know when you're talking about a three to four hundred page you know policy manual from the district and then every time yeah. the, the state legislature meets together and they change laws and they move to a new you know law and you're like how does this affect us right and i think the the other part for me that was was difficult uh, was I did not, and this is, this is just me personal, personally, one of the things that I had to get used to is being out of the building more than when I was a teacher, because when you were, a, when I was a teacher, I did not take a lot of days off because it was meant more work for me mm -hmm. to, you know, create yeah. sub plans and follow up and do all that stuff. As an administrator, uh, as an assistant principal on average, it was one or two days a month. And, and what happens is you basically put it on your team to do all that work. And you've got to follow up with all of those things, you know, follow up with the yeah. kids, follow up with that stuff. Uh, and then I think as, as you go into principalship, it's even more than that on average, um, just based on things that are happening. Um, one of one of the other challenges, I think, it, it, going from an assistant to a principal for me was creating documentation or updating documentation for all of the processes in the school. So the idea of like 
safety, emergency plans, crisis management, social media, um, the website, like, yeah, I knew what was going on as an assistant principal, but generally there was somebody else that was in charge of that. But then when you're the principal, you're like, oh, I need to know all of these things and who's in charge of all of them. And if one of those people leaves, who's, who's going to come in and take over. Um, so that was one of the things that was difficult for me going from an assistant to a principal is just now it's like everything is your responsibility. Um, that's why being an assistant so great. <laughs> um, okay. So what are, what are some of the challenges that you see and that you face um, going from being a teacher to an administrator? I'll sh- can I share one first? Yeah, go for it. About it. So the, the biggest one for me was, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, is, is learning how to say no and just managing my time. I, I, did, I did not manage my time well. And in the sense of, I was just all over everywhere trying to put out every single fire. Um, and it, it, I didn't get burned out. It just was, it's a lot. It took a toll on my energy. I didn't get as much sleep because I would do stuff at home. And I just had to just like bring it down a couple notches. Um, that was hard for me. Yeah. Uh, for me, it felt like the seriousness of the issues I was dealing with. Uh, as a teacher, I, I dealt with them. But it felt like all of a sudden I was dealing with big issues all the time as an administrator where if it was uh, a fight, if there was bullying, um, substance abuse, I would have kids. I mean, geez, that first year, I talked to so many kids and parents with vaping. Um, it really was hitting the scene big. And all of a sudden, it was just fascinating to me because I was a young administrator. And I'd have these parents turning to me, asking me advice as the expert and I mean, I just had little kids at home. I didn't have teenagers. I, I, I mean, yeah, I was a, an educator, but I felt like I don't know. I, I'm shocked you're asking me these questions. Like I am the expert, and right. with time and watching what good parents did and good educators did, I was able right. to pull a lot of those experiences and share and say well, this is what I've seen other teachers do, or this is what I've seen other educators do, parents do, and it was really successful um, in these type of situations. But it just felt like the gravity of the situations. As a teacher, I didn't deal with super serious situations very often, thankfully. Um, as an administrator, it felt like I was dealing with those a lot. And so it really did become a lot heavier and the weight of the seriousness at times was pretty heavy, especially at first. So how did, how did you manage that? Right. So if we're talking about a hundred day plan, did you, did you create like a self-care plan? Did you create like a, um, a, a meditation time or a think time every day? How did you kind of pull that weight off your shoulders? Uh, two things. I made sure I was good with my, my working out. So I had some type of outlet. Um, and I would also not journal, I journal sounds wrong, but with all the situations and all the things that were constantly being shot at me, I, I just really got really good at documenting stuff 
and and it took me a while to figure this out. And, and this is one of those where I wish I would have started doing it. And I would encourage new assistants to do put in their hundred day plan is figure out a way to document stuff. And so I felt like once I was able to write down what was happening, uh, it was usually after the fact, but just to document it, then all of a sudden that weight was off my mental load. And so I could do better with whatever was coming at me next because I didn't have to carry that. And then I could go back and find it in the future when I needed it. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think uh, another part of a hundred day plan is to um, have a organizational system and there's a bunch out there, right? That that we've talked, you and I have talked about them separately and different. And when I talk about an organizational system, talking about as an assistant principal, how to manage your email, like, and actually honor your email time, right? Don't answer emails after hours and it trains people, you know, there's different things like that. How to manage documentation for behavior, because you're never going to know when you need that documentation again, right? And and I ran into this yeah. a couple times where something happens maybe in seventh grade, a couple times, and then all of a sudden in ninth grade, you have like five or six things that come together and you're going back looking and you're like, holy smokes, this was a pattern of behavior that we should have caught, but because we didn't necessarily document correctly or one administrator handled it and, it, you know, uh, there was that. And then I think the, the other part is, organizing your time in a building where everybody feels that you care about them and and one of the one of the ways to do that again is to be visible but the idea is you're going to be in a building and you're going to have people that you connect with and that's totally fine right you're going to have adults that you connect with and you go visit their room regularly you go talk to them you know their kids you talk to them about stuff like that but you've also got to make other people in the building feel like you care about them as well I think one of the difficulties that I've seen administrators get into is where they have favorites and people know that they have favorites and it's kind of clear that they have favorites that can cause major kind of schisms with the adults in the building. Um, mm -hmm. And again, it's not that you can't hang out with people more than others. It's just you want to make sure that everybody feels cared about and and be intentional about that. So and there's a ton of different Which ways to organize. It is not easy because there's there are going to be people that you don't get along with, and in fact, that's that's one of you mentioned the behavior and the seriousness. The other the other hard part I think is going from students being most of your problem as a teacher to as an administrator, you ha you now have adults that are also causing problems, um, which is which is something that you wouldn't think happens, but it happens pretty regularly. So, and for it, me, that was the hardest part was dealing with adults, that transition. It's, it's working like with them or like they were making what you felt like were immature mistakes or different things like that. Both. I felt like I could give a lot of grace to teenagers because they're teenagers, right? They, their brain isn't developed. I mean, they would consistently be stupid and and not that it was okay but i felt like i put the more slack but sometimes when you're done with adults it's like come on you know better you're an adult you can do this uh, and so that would wear on me um more because i guess i just didn't have the patience uh, with time it, it's changed but especially at first like you said it was quite surprising 
the amount of time that was spent dealing with adults. I, I didn't foresee that for sure uh, going into administration. So when when we're talking about the the ninety day plan, um, the the one of the things that you you need to have as part of it, right, or you want to have is you also want to have checkpoints, right? So if you divide that up into yeah. you know day thirty, day sixty, day ninety, is you don't want to just have a plan that goes from zero to ninety and you check it at ninety. Uh, very similar to when you're teaching kids or coaching a football game, you don't want to read you know, the newspaper the day after and try and make changes. You you want to make changes along the way. I think you can ask for feedback. You can ask teachers yeah. like, hey, how am I doing? You can ask your mentors how you're doing. There are people in your building, wherever you are, whether no matter what your role is, if you ask how you're doing, there are people that are going to be honest and let you know like, hey, I really like this, but I think you could do a better job of this, this, and this. And then there are also times when you're going to screw up. And those I think are the best times to learn but when you're creating your 90 day plan, there's some there's some things that you really want to have. And one of them is checkpoints. Um, and, and you could have, you know, maybe five things. What, that you're what type do of checkpoints do you have? So I think uh, the five things, right, that I and this is this is not my necessarily, but I think you want to look at your stakeholders. So you want to make sure like at least every month you're like, OK, where am I at with my stakeholders? Uh, and that's people in the school, out of the school, teacher, staff, lunch, whatever. I think. You look at where you're at instructionally. Are you helping in classroom observations? Are you being a quote unquote teacher leader in your uh, school or an instructional coach? So that's two. I think uh, three, and as an assistant principal, when you're dealing with a lot of behavior, you wanna look at like operational. Like, am I handling all of the behavior that's coming at me or coming towards me? Am I calling parents? Am I managing that? Am I following up on my paperwork? I think, you know, the other yeah, two are a little bit. Yeah, the other two are a little bit lighter because it's not necessarily your responsibility uh, unless you're at a high school and you get assigned this is like facilities, like what's happening with the actual physical building. So if you're over safety yeah. or that. And then the last one, I think, is an assistant principal, I would be financial. Um, and occasionally, well, I, most of our high schools, personnel is is part of that, too. Right. You're doing hiring for your departments as a middle school yeah. assistant. We didn't do we didn't divide out into. Um, departments in my first school, but we did in our second school. So those are, you know, five or six things that I would mm -hmm. look at every month and then rewrite your goals at the end of your 90 day plan and say, okay, I really did well with this area and this area. I want to spend more time in this area and this area. And your state that you're in is going to have goals for administrators. Uh, like our state, Utah has administrator goals that we create our you know, evaluations and observations off of as administrators, your state is going to have things that, that that they can look on or look at. So what is the role of an assistant principal in shaping school culture? You know, I think one of the biggest things you can do is going in and asking some of those hard questions, especially of the teachers and the people within the building. You know, what are some of the challenges we're facing? And what are some of the sticky points? that need to change and adding those into your goals. And so you can kind of tick it off of where am I at with some of these challenges? Am I able to change this? And really just being a consistent presence and getting out of your office. Uh, for me, that's the biggest thing is if you're an administrator getting out of your office and having that consistent presence, uh, you're going to shape culture, hopefully in a positive way. Uh, if you are getting out, I would assume it's going to be in a positive way. But by just simply 
getting out and interacting, you're going to be able to have those positive interactions. And what I really think you do is after your 30, 60, 90, you're going to be looking and reevaluating every 30 days. Uh, sometimes it can be too feel too much if you keep doing it every 30 days. I think you evaluate, can I continue to do this every 30 days for this year? Or after 90, 100 days, am I going to then evaluate at one year? Like, okay, I've started this process. Uh, where do I find myself at the end of the year? Or at each month, you're going to evaluate based on what you feel capable of doing and, and how you feel things are going. Because you might need to make those changes sooner. But you lean on those fellow administrators and those people that you trust to give you that feedback. And I, I appreciate you said that. I think with, with my team, like currently I don't have assistant principals. So we're, we're kind of three principals working together. Uh, when I get put in a position where I have assistant principals, I will have one-on-ones with them once a month. And I will just check in with them about how they feel like they're doing. And if they, and that would be an opportunity for us to work together where I could give feedback and guidance um, and, and it'll be a structured kind of meeting. Um, and that's kind of, you know, you and I both worked in the business world before we came into education. That's kind of a business thing that is a regular, uh, thing for a lot of businesses. So, uh, the last segment that we're going to jump into is questions from our audience and go over some of those and we won't answer all of them, but, um, yeah, keep so them coming in. The first question comes from Sam. How do you, and I'm reading this apologies. How do you recommend handling conflicts between staff members, assist, especially as a new assistant principal trying to establish credibility? Ah, whew. way to get straight to the heart of it, Sam. Dead gum. Uh, that, that's going to be the hardest. Honestly, that's going to be one of the hardest things you do is handling that conflict because you might be coming into a school where these individuals have been there for years. And there's a lot of history, or they might be brand new and there's no history. You don't know what you're walking into. And all of a sudden you're now the expert and you might've been a ceramics teacher. I'm not knocking ceramics, but you went from being a ceramics teacher to now you've got to figure out how to mediate a pretty heated conflict at times between staff members. Uh, for me, I found the biggest thing is take my ego out of it and and go and sit with them and and hear both sides and make sure in the end most people just want to hear it be heard and if i'm able to validate their feelings um and express a lot of that back to them usually i can figure some type of resolution but i would always involve my whole admin staff my whole admin team that's not typically something i would do on my own especially if it's conflict between staff members right and, and the perfect scenario of that, right? You're a new assistant principal, you get assigned to the history department and there's two people in the history department that don't get along. And every, all the other administrators have seen this been going on for a couple of years and your your job is basically to go in and help fix it. So uh, it, not the saying that's happened, but you know we've both been in buildings where we've uh, seen teams that didn't get along. Yeah. Um, okay, well, how about this question from Brenda in Illinois? She says, can you share some strategies for managing time effectively? Between meetings, admin work, and being present in the classroom, I'm finding it challenging. What are some of your secret sauce? So it's changed uh, throughout the years. Um, I think for me, I try and schedule everything. Um, I try and schedule everything in, people call it time blocking. There's a lot of different ways that you can call it, but I try and schedule everything. And so that other people can see that it's on my calendar. 
So we try not to schedule things during that time. And that's, you know, I try and schedule, you know, my self-think time. I try and schedule reading time. I try and schedule, you know, this is not just in my professional life, but this is also my per personal life. Um, you know, my wife makes fun of me because I have YT at nine o'clock on Monday, which is basically this thing. And she's like, why do you schedule that? I know you're doing it. It's like, because it's on the calendar. And when something's written down, it, it goes a long way for me because then I can, you know, congratulate myself and, and treat myself when I do the things that are on my list. I think the other part is being very focused and intentional when you have meetings to make sure that there's agendas and hold the people accountable that are supposed to be there, start the meeting on time, end the meeting on time. And if, and if the meeting's going to go long, you just say, hey, you know what? I respect everybody's time. It's past contract time. I'm not going to ask as teachers to stay without getting paid. And we definitely don't have the money to pay them extra time. So we're going to end this meeting and we'll come back around whatever. And I think what you'll you'll start to see is if you hold yourself and others accountable to time, uh, people will start to respect that. One of the areas which historically um, it just it seems to always take longer is definitely IEPs with parents and just different things like that, because I think you're explaining a lot of things to parents who may be in that scenario or that situation for the first time. And for me as a parent, you know, I have a couple of kids that have had IEPs. I always want to take the time to explain to parents what this means and, and why we have that. Um, I think the other thing is just getting out of your office. We talk about that so much, but it's seriously like the best tool. There's an energy that comes with the kids. You get out of the office, you can solve problems, mm -hmm. you can be visible, you get to know the kids, you get to know the teachers. That was a long answer. I'm sorry, Brenda. It's energizing though, for sure. I find that the days I don't get out of my office, it's hard to love my job. But the days I get out and I see the teachers and I see the students, um, I love the jobs. Okay. So Brenda, it depends. Find what works for you. I've tried probably 15 different organization systems, um, trying to find one that works the best and it, and it depends um, on some different variables for sure. So Spencer, why don't you kind of recap some of the key takeaways uh, about the 100-day plan that we talked about today? So let me just pull up uh, some of the notes that I have. So um, one of the things that you, you want to make sure is that you find out what your principal or your current administrative staff is doing, uh, the plans, whether those are educational, financial, data, all of those things. You want to create relationships with people in the building as soon as possible. You want to make sure that you're reviewing current processes and practices. We talked about, you know, some of the data, but like social media, the website, uh, staff development, job descriptions, um, safety, um, you know, policies that are in place at the school. Every school has different rules and different things that, that make sense. Uh, and then the last part is to, again, we're going to say it every week, is to be visible and make those connections with the people in your building. I'm going to let you close it off with your final thoughts. Yeah, taking that 90 to 100 day plan, and we're going to link some of these on our website. Also, um, we're going to have some stuff that you can download as resources. Uh, but really, it's Having that plan helps give you that direction that you need um, by setting those targeted goals. You're going to be looking for those early wins at 30 days and then at 60 days and 90 days at semester and then at the first year. 
being intentional about it really helps you strategically align what your core values are, but also getting the information from the stakeholders and the principals and from your faculty and staff to figure out how you can be uh, the biggest help in your school, because ultimately that's what you're there for. You're there to be a help. Uh, next week, I hope you tune in. What we're going to be talking about was we're, we're going to be talking about effective communication with staff and students. Speaking of dealing with adults, uh, Spencer's going to be bringing his A game as he teaches us how he deal with staff. If you have thoughts on the best communication styles, best communication methods, please reach out to us. We would love to have your questions or your comments uh, on the episode. But again, next week is going to be effective communication with adults, parents, staff, and students. Sign out for School Story. Yes, I'm Spencer Campbell. I'm Stuart Hudnall. Good day.